legends like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. All right, welcome everybody back to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, uh, this is going to be the first time that you and I might be on camera for this show. Uh, do you have any regrets other than like going on camera? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to say like, I, I mean, life regrets probably, but you know, <laughs> not really long not specifically podcast. in this moment, but like nothing that I could change in the lead up to becoming a broadcast personality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. do I wish that I would have worked harder to get rid of my lisp in, in speech therapy? Maybe a little bit. Wait, um, is that something people can do? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's actually much better than it was, but I, huh. I yeah, you know, it's still there a little bit. Well, I, mean, I, I, I just always thought that once you have a lisp, like that's just what you no, have. No, there, there's speech therapy for it, and uh, huh. yeah, I had to do that for a while. Um, that's crazy. in high school. Uh, you learn and, something every day. Yeah, I wish that I, I wish that I would have like invested in hair plugs earlier in my career, so that it's not going to be so obvious. <laughs> just go full. You know, like if breeze. we, if if this show starts to get big on video, yeah. I may have to invest in my hairline. <laughs> But every it's gonna be like like Wayne Rooney, where everybody just know they're like, no, that's that's a toupee. Like yeah. that's very clear. You were bald last week. You know, <laughs> you've been bald for the last five years. You don't just all of a sudden have this beautiful like Yovan flowing Bouba hair. That's where you, you just know? gotta like yeah. lean into it. Like you gotta just go straight Fabio. Yeah, like, exactly. That, like, just make it really obvious, and <laughs> like just so that I don't care. Yeah, that maybe that that's the route I'll go. Is there a like? a bigger dick move in the history of speech than forcing people who have a lisp to say lisp. You know, now that I think about it, yeah, that was someone incredibly petty who invented that. <laughs> that and was an awful move making that, making that. I mean, maybe they were trying to, you know, now I'm self-conscious, but maybe they were trying to <laughs> like imitate the sound with the descriptor. Oh, like onomatopoeia. Yeah. Like that's huh. That makes sense, I guess. I still think it's this an was awful, not the direction I thought the show was going to go to start. <laughs> I guess we should probably get to it. So the 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 show today, we have to talk about the game last night. We have to talk about the now con like just hilariously mounting injuries that the Lakers now have. Uh, Harrison informed me that there is a KG what if that he wants to get into a Kevin Garnett what if that apparently I missed. And look, we gave you three fun things that we're going to talk about. We have. <laughs> <laughs> we have like here's here's you know here's your here's your dessert first and then we, we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss the developments from Alex Caruso himself about how the offseason went so that's how we're going to end the show um there's probably going to be some fireworks there so let's start though with that game and again you know the Lakers win in overtime 120 to 117 uh, it was the debut. Like I think the story of the game, right, is the debut of the pressure cooker. I think like that's the like just far that, and away I mean, yeah, the biggest. I, I was I was walking I, I was walking around just going to different L.A. area coffee shops this morning, and that's all I overheard people talking about was they're <laughs> like, I, "Did you catch the pressure cooker with Anthony Irwin last night?" It's a night? bunch of hipster pop. <laughs> yeah, that, it, it's it's yeah. the talk of the town today. It. I mean, you know, I, I I moved away because of all of the fanfare that this was going to generate for me. I just. 
I'm not very comfortable taking pictures with people and I'm kidding. If you ever, if we ever meet, I'm, I'm down for a beer, but yeah, you're like, you're like one of those celebrities that just moves out to a ranch and has somebody do all their grocery shopping for them. And... Yeah. I'm Phil Jackson. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He, exactly. He's my next door neighbor, actually. <laughs> well, ne <laughs> you know, next door is strong. Like, you know, it's a good mile down the road, oh, yeah. but yeah, yeah. yeah. sort of, it's the next door in the area. Yellowstone, the TV show, is actually based on the feud Phil Jackson and I have over the last <laughs> like quarter mile of our of our ranches. Uh, so now the, the Lakers win one twenty to one seventeen. Malik Monk goes off. Russell Westbrook probably plays one of his better games, I think, uh, in terms of distributing and and uh, like that's I think it's far and away his best plus minus uh, so far of the season. Uh, which was a pl plus 10, a whopping well, plus 10. Well, I thought 10. Sabrina made a great point that the Lakers just didn't have a backup point guard, and so yeah. that just completely juiced Russ's plus minus. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're just going to waive all their backups now. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and then, and then I, you know, I thought AD defensively, like Sabrina and I talked about last night, was was special on the defensive end of the court. And then offensively, in rewatching some of the game, I, I, I there's a couple notes that I have there. But... I, I wanted to start though with Monk and he was the story of the preseason. He was, you know, one of the better players consistently that the Lakers had out there. Um, his game seems to fit at least theoretically really, really well with what the Lakers have, right? He's, he's capable of scoring on one or two dribbles. If the ball rotates over to him with like five or six seconds left in the shot clock, he can get his own shot that way too. He's not great defensively, but if he's out there with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you can kind of make up for him a little bit. And and yeah, last night in, you know, I think the best Lakers win of the season so far, he was a big reason why it happened. Took over from Ken Bazemore down the stretch of that game. And uh, and my question, Harrison, is if you think, you know, Bazemore has been bad, he hasn't been good. Is this is this somebody who you could see kind of sliding into those minutes if Bazemore continues to kind of flail? No, because I think that that would like cause Frank Vogel actual physical pain to start <laughs> someone that is not a center that's as bad defensively as Monk is. I mean, Monk is yeah. not, you know, I think sometimes his foibles can be overstated. He's harmful to the defense, you know, in terms of his awareness and things like that. Like on the ball, he's actually okay sometimes. And he's had a couple times where he's like jumped passing lanes and made some positive play. Like he's usable. He's not great on defense, but he's usable. But yeah, I mean, just reputation wise and what they expect, like I would be shocked if, you know, he moves into the starting lineup over Bays. Although, I mean, if you were going to move him in there over someone, like moving him in over Bays or Bradley would be one way to sort of start to deal with the cramping issues that you have in your offense with that starting lineup. You know, yeah. Darius wrote a really good piece for the site today about how, you know, AD doesn't necessarily need to play more center, but he needs to play center with the starting unit because that, that floor is so clogged, you know, but that floor would be a little less clogged, even though it would be still with like a traditional big in there, like DeAndre Jordan or Dwight or whoever, but it would be a little less clogged if you had someone like Monk that defenses really have to pay attention to yeah. rather than kind of Bazemore or Bradley who, you know, Bradley was on fire last night. I'm not going to criticize, you know, he, he, yeah. what did he go like five for five from three or something like that? He was, it was, no, he, he cooled off late. He's, he's like five of eight though. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, he was really good. That was probably his best offensive game of the season. And so, you you know, Monk, but Monk gives you someone sort of like you were talking about that just has such high skill level in terms of the shots that they can hit. Like He's so much fun to watch, you know. And and my favorite thing about the end of that game last night was as much as he kind of downplayed it, like, oh, no, I'm not trying to get into a battle with Tyler Hero. Like, you know, I'm just he just happened to be in front of me, which is amazing. Like, I'm trying to kill everyone. I I, get out yeah. there in front of me like it, delightful interview uh just does not care just says whatever is <laughs> i was made for the, the bright time. lights or something along those lines yeah yeah no he's it's amazing and but you know you can tell by the way that he plays you know you saw it at the end of that spurs game when he fired up you know that ridiculous heave that actually went in and like mm-hmm. he absolutely thinks on nights like this when lebron is not playing that he is the closer and he's the one the team <laughs> should be going to down the stretch and like last night he was right hard to argue and yeah, like he he is skilled <laughs> enough to do it on some nights. And yeah, I, I mean, it just illustrates, even with the injury issues that we're going to talk about, it, it's just going to be really tough to find minutes, you know, for everyone and find the right lineup configurations. You know, part of the benefit of this team being so banged up is we've gotten like sample sizes on a lot of these guys that, you know, like your Austin Reeves or whoever, like that maybe wouldn't have gotten to play as much. Even Bradley, who probably was going to be closer to a 15th man if this team yeah. was fully healthy, you're getting to see what they can do out on the floor and Monk included, but the downside of that is we're not getting to see what they can do alongside the lineups that like really matter with LeBron. And so, you know, I just think that there's going to be a long learning curve with this season in terms of accumulating sample sizes and figuring out who fits where. But I mean, they're good problems to have, but they can still be problems. Yeah, I think the way that I kind of look at it is it'd be one thing if Bazemore was outstanding defensively. Right. It'd be one thing if he was out yeah, there. Yeah, to be and, clear, I'm not saying I think he has been some oh, no, revelation defensively. No. I just know reputation wise, that's the kind yeah. of guy that Frank Vogel loves. But I, I think there I think there again, like that's you know, reputation only goes so far. And if he's if Bazemore is helping the other How far defense, to the starting lineup for DeAndre Jordan? Like I mean, I that's that's an A D thing. Like can we, we I don't can think be it is an A D thing anymore this year. You think you think it you think Frank Vogel is willing to die on the hill of DeAndre Jordan? I think that there, I think there is a good degree of this that is Vogel in terms of wanting to start big. And, you know, just the fact that he went out of his way, even the other night to, you know, he was asked about, like, I thought it was really interesting. He was asked about like the starting lineup and he was not asked about starting AD. He was not asked anything about that. And he goes out of his way to be like, you know, I'm thinking about starting small for the spacing, but it's just like with all these injuries we have, we just don't necessarily have enough bodies to do it. And like, I I empathize with that argument, but I mean, even he, I think is starting to realize the the issues of this. And I would not be surprised if when LeBron gets back, we do see this team start to go small, but that's a whole other side. Yeah. But I I think though, again, like I I think with, with Bayes, like he's just, he spends so much time running on defense. Like, uh, one thing that I really enjoyed watching with like Caruso or KCP or even Coos last year is how hard they work on keeping their shoulders square to the person that they're guarding. And Bazemore so quickly just breaks down and starts running parallel with the person that he's guarding to the point where like, if they stop, he winds up in the third row somewhere, you know, and or he has gone from someone that when he came here during the lottery year was like arguably my favorite Laker of that season, just yeah. because he was such a bright spot. Yeah. So like well, he, he has been probably my least favorite guy on the team to watch this year. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, I just think, you know, so the reason I bring up the shoulders thing is because that shows up in tape, you know, and, and, and Bazemore isn't Rondo. He isn't DeAndre Jordan. He doesn't have like the political capital in the, in the locker room to where like you overlook some of those, some of those issues. And I think here with, with Monk, if somebody is going to be mediocre to whatever on defense, you may as well have that mediocre to whatever on defense guy be awesome offensively, you know? And I think that's always been the, like that was one of the things that you and I discussed at length heading into the season was that Frank Vogel is going to have to come to grips with the fact that this is not a Frank Vogel roster and he's going to have to shift his identity a little bit and coach up the offense and then just hope that they play enough defense. And I think here with Monk versus Bazemore, this is one of those situations where like the roster is actually built more for Monk to play a little more. And the longer that they try to convince themselves that they can develop their identity on defense, the longer that offense, the the, the first unit is just going to be constipated constantly uh, to start the first and third quarter. Yeah, I wrote an editorial kind of arguing similar things uh, about a week or two ago on, you know, when they were talking all about that film session and they're really getting on each other defensively. And I'm like, at some point, you know, like you got to acknowledge that this is not going to be a perfect defensive team. Yeah. And I think to their credit, you know, and to Vogel's credit, I, I think that they have started to make a few more kind of offensive focus decision so I don't know I'm not quite there with you yet anymore because I do feel like they're making progress on both ends even if maybe it's not as fast as everyone would like but I do think that just even like playing Monk down the stretch last night like you talked about was Frank saying you know we got to go offense here you know there's no two ways about it we gave Kent his chance we aren't getting you know necessarily enough stops this is not going to be that much worse and we need someone who can score and so you know that to me that's progress and I think that just as much as all of us on this feed on you know the site have criticized some of the things that Vogel has done this year we got to acknowledge when you know the team does stuff right on that end and I or on both ends and I thought that last night was a step in the right direction I thought the last two games really have been just in terms of effort execution you know just the team kind of showing a little bit more commitment on both ends to doing the things that they need to do to make themselves successful Mm -hmm. you know technical foul Palooza in the fourth quarter against the Hornets aside, you know, stuff like that's going to happen. But I think basketball wise, they've started to figure a lot of things, uh, a few things out. So I'm going to read Kent Bazemore. This is, this is to me, you know, an acknowledgement from Vogel that this guy hasn't been very good in October. His minutes went 31, 23, 28, 31, 28, 28, 27 in November. His minutes have gone 27, 22, 19, 14, 22. So this is somebody as the injuries have mounted, his role is strong. Yeah. yeah. And some and, of that is the team needing a little bit more offensive pop with without LeBron. I do wonder if his minutes will tick back up a little yeah. bit when LeBron comes back. But yeah, I mean, it's a good point. You know, this is, you'd expect everyone to kind of be playing more. And for him, a starter, to be having their minutes <laughs> dropping, you know, yeah. I would, yeah, not necessarily a glowing, you know, endorsement of how he has played. And and also like, and I don't, we're now spending, we're going on 15 minutes of Malik Monk, Kent Bazemore talk. So we're hey, going to have to people, what people don't listen to us for like the, <laughs> what did LeBron tweet about the Rams today? You know that's what I true. mean? That's you know, true. like people want the nerdy basketball stuff from us. Although if you're, if you're kid, no, I won't give my fantasy football take. And no one cares about thing. your fantasy football team. No, not my team. My take. Okay. I, I how thought. is your team doing? You know, it's, I don't I care. <laughs> I knew you were doing that, and I still fucking stumbled into it. 
but yeah, like my my last little thing here, because like that is something I thought about here with Bazemore specifically, that because he doesn't have the ability off of the dribble, he's really going to be affected by LeBron not being there. But he's also playing with Russell Westbrook, right? And he's also playing with Anthony Davis. And you would think that when those guys are on the court and he's out there together, that he would be at least decent offensively. And he hasn't been. Like, it's just his, his, he, oh, in, in, uh, in November, he's one of 10 from three point range. Uh, he's shooting 22.7% from the field. Like, this is bad. Like he's, he's been a bad NBA player, borderline, not even an NBA player, to be completely honest. Yeah. And- I mean, the, the, the like one for 10 thing this month kind of signify, you know, we're uh, how many days into October or November are we? Okay. I mean, we're 11 days. How many games is that in November so far? Five. Okay. So that's two threes a game. I mean, that's, I mean like that he's showing a lot of hesitancy to take shots. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Like not only is he, it'd be one thing if he was taking and missing, but he's not even taking the open looks. Yeah, it's 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 it's, and he should be getting them, you know, like uh, like you said, based on, you know, Russ getting to the basket, all these things, you know, like he should like Bradley's getting them up, you know, like Avery Bradley, (laughs) (laughs) you know, he he's he's just fine taking a bunch of extra shots. But Malik Monk or sorry, not Malik Monk, uh, Kent Bazemore so far has been, I would say, a little bit more hesitant based on that. And that's not something. I'd necessarily thought about before now, but now that you mention it, it's like, yeah, I mean, he's not shooting very much during those stretches of the game. Yeah. Just for comparison's sake in, uh, October eight, eight, three pointers. Then it's like three, two, three, five, two, three. So it's just like, you know, he was, two was a low point for, for like, for how many uh, three pointers he would attempt in a game. Two is like the average here. And, and yeah. it's got to, it's got to improve. And part of that is the minutes, but I, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, you know, with Ken Bazemore, he's not getting the minutes because he's not a threat offensively and he yeah. isn't good defensively uh, to, to make up for that. Um, we've alluded to the injuries and we've, we've discussed kind of what the hell is going on. We got news uh, right before, kind of sort of right before the game that uh, Rajon Rondo and Austin Reeves were not going to be available because of their own hamstring issues. Frank Vogel downplayed both of those. And then, oh my God, shocker of all shockers. Uh, it turns out he he wound up not being correct in, in his downplaying of those, at least with Reeves. Reeves is going to miss two to three weeks and then be reevaluated. Two weeks, two weeks so far was the timetable to be reevaluated. Okay, so he'll be reevaluated. But that, as we've learned, yeah, with- he could. I'm not saying he will only miss two weeks. But yeah. They specific. they did not say two to three. They said two yeah. weeks. Yeah. So, but as we've learned with THT, as we've learned with Kendrick Nunn, who, like, by the way, what the hell is going on with Kendrick yeah, Nunn? Yeah, I, <laughs> like, the Kendrick uh, Nunn update yesterday was, was, I mean, Vogel said it so calmly, but, you know, for him to just drop, you know, it's in an area of the knee where the doctors just wanted him to stay off of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but that does not sound good to me. I just want to know how somebody with an ankle injury would develop a bone bruise. I mean, we like don't know. We don't know if he like like maybe he got hit in the leg at the same time. You know, we don't know. We I don't want to speculate on how, but it, he could have sustained them both at the same time. You know, planted weird something like we just don't yeah. know. Anywho, but and but we'll yeah, never so, know because this team doesn't tell us anything about injuries. Yeah, Austin Reeves though is going to be out like you said those two weeks, 
And this is this is actually something that I I mean, this has been a frustration of ours, at least mine for sure, for for years now, about how they handle information regarding injuries. And like it it doesn't serve anybody the way that they handle this, where uh LeBron, I think the time frame for LeBron to return has gone anywhere from uh relatively soon to I've seen like four to eight weeks. I've seen the team four to six has weeks. never said anything either. They've just yeah. said no timetable. Right. And 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 I think, you know, I, I think here what what they're setting everybody up for is, you know, uh conjecture. <laughs> it's it's they're 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 setting their medical team. If I if I work for their medical staff, I'd be super frustrated because people are pinning blame on them for how these things are going down and guys staying out longer than maybe they anticipate or, or, or fans would anticipate just the lack of clarity here is, is maddening and it, and it's, and it's counterproductive. If they, if you just come out and say, yeah, uh, Austin Reeves suffered a, a hamstring strain, he's going to be out a couple weeks. Uh, and, and you don't have the initial, like, yeah, it was a minor, you know, cause Frank, I think literally used the word minor. He did. When, when it came to, uh, Austin Reeves, hamstring strain, and if that's the starting point, and then it goes from there, it escalates from there to he'll be reevaluated in two weeks, then people are going to ask, wait, how do we get from A to B there? You know, and, and Kendrick Nunn, same thing. Oh, he, he uh, stepped on somebody's foot in practice, rolled his ankle. It's not going to be anything that significant. He'll be reevaluated in a couple of weeks. And then when he's reevaluated after that, it's like, oh, uh, actually, he has a bone bruise now. And he's out for the foreseeable future. And again, people are wondering how the hell do we get from A to B there? What is going on? And and you know, at some point here, and they they never will because they just won't. But at some point, the Lakers the Lakers do need to reevaluate the way that they they handle this information because it doesn't help anybody. And they're on. By the way, this new training staff is brand new. Like this was supposed to be one of the things that they addressed in the offseason. And it, it only got worse with soft, soft tissue injuries. Yeah. So I, in fairness to the Lakers, uh, you know, on LeBron, they have not said anything. Um, and so like all the reporting, I mean, they, they can't control that. LeBron is going, right. LeBron and his camp are going to put out whatever narratives that they want to put out about his injury and when he'll return soon. And people, you know, are going to quote medical analysts and we have, you know, Dr. Bra at our site, you have your, you have Dr. Jen on the podcast feed. Like mm-hmm. we all, like all of this is guesswork, you know, from the outside because no one, very few people have actually like looked at this thing and have the capacity to understand, you know, this injury and, you know, like the extent of his actual injury that he is currently going through, not just this injury in general. And the other thing is, you know, I want to cut them a little slack because, you know, injuries are unpredictable. The body's unpredictable. We don't necessarily know how these things are going to go. So when you give a timeline, sometimes like that's a timeline to be reevaluated, reevaluated doesn't always mean come right back. It sometimes just means another update and Mm -hmm. things like that. But regardless, like the the timeline stuff to me is much less important. And I I assume you feel the same way than just how kind of injury ridden the team is now at this point. Yeah. You know, Anthony, are you ready for a new segment? Maybe we can keep this as like a recurring one. I hope not. But uh, Harrison's depressing injury facts. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So Anthony, you want to guess how many people on the roster right now over 6'4 are currently healthy? Not counting two-way players. Over 6'4"? Yeah, over 6'4". 
How many how many available full-time players do the Lakers have over 6-4? Three? Four. Ooh. Yeah. Who's the fourth? Mello. Mello. So Mello, AD, oh, Dwight, yeah. Dwight, and DeAndre. I wasn't counting yeah. DeAndre because you said NBA players. So <laughs> I- <laughs> That's mean. Um, <laughs> do you want to guess how many player, how many healthy play, how healthy non-two-way players the Lakers have under the age of 28? Oh, so I'm cheating on this one. I know the answer because I saw it. It was one. Yeah, it's one. It's just Monk. <laughs> A single dude. Yeah. It's wild. And like this, is- like that's you know everybody you know was making all the jokes all offseason. It's like all oh, old guys, they're all gonna have to rest. They're all gonna have to whatever. Like it, somehow it's the young guys all getting hurt. Well, you know LeBron has missed. Has LeBron played in half of their games? Uh, that is a good question. I don't think I, he I has. Don't know offhand. <laughs> <laughs> but like <laughs> the fact that we're wondering it, you know. So he's he's now missed at yeah, I'd say roughly half of the season. Trevor Reza hasn't played at all this year. Dwight Howard missed a couple couple games with uh, a sore neck that we never saw him injured. Yeah, um, I believe that that was like, mo- I think that was mostly precautionary. Like, I think it was just kind of, sure. we're just going to give you a couple days off, let it heal. But you don't, don't, you don't do precautionary that. stuff with young players though, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, so. Uh, I think Rod- with Reeves, it is a little bit precautionary just because, you well, know, with him, like, he, he's he's a rookie. Like, he hasn't played this many games before. If he's dealing with a hamstring, like, you don't yeah. want the hamstring thing to become worse. I, I think he, to some degree, it's probably a little bit precautionary. He also plays really hard. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that's that's kind of why he has been as effective as he's been. Because, like, a lot of, like, the NBA players are still in, like, the first couple weeks of just kind of getting yourself into game shape and stuff. And Reeves goes out there and he's just running around like a madman. Um, LeBron, by the way, as an update has played in six games. So slightly over half they've played 11 so far. They've played 11. So, but he's going to miss the next one, right? Yeah. And he'll oh, well, half the they season. have not said yet. So, no. I mean, we don't know. Maybe by the time that we, this is out, we'll know. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't know, but I would assume that is likely. Actually, they like, played 12 games, so he's missed uh, He's missed half. I apologize. So, so he, uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of where we find ourselves here with, with the Lakers. It's like, hey, um, you know, the the old guys have sustained a couple dings here and there. The young guys getting hurt the way that they did has really, really hurt them, right? Like, yeah, Taylor Horton Tucker's injury. Like, there's no way to These predict were that. supposed to be the guys that could carry the load when the old yeah. guys had injuries. And now, like, the old guys are ha- – the remaining old guys that are still healthy are having to carry more, which, I mean, TBD, we don't know what's going to happen with that. But that yeah. does not seem great to me uh, that they're, you know, asking, you know, 37-year-old Carmelo Anthony to play, like, basically, like, 30 minutes a night half the time, it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, we're going to talk about Caruso here in a second. And this isn't even about Caruso specifically. He wouldn't come in and fix all of the injuries. But this is why there was such annoyance in just letting somebody like that walk. Because not only do you lose the player Caruso, but you also lose that salary cap spot because you didn't sign and trade him, right? And that would be another player who could help carry some of this load, you know, depending on who you bring in whenever you, whenever you sign and trade them. So I, I, this is, you know, this is why you don't pinch pennies in a title window spot because title teams have to play harder. This team specifically had a lot of work to do in the off season to try to figure out how to play. Yeah. This team also really wants to play fast, which is something I wonder if they revisit over the course of the season. 
Because um, they like, can't. You can't. You can't be a slow team with Russ. Not with this roster. I mean, you, you have can't. to consider it. You have yeah, to I don't think you. You just can't. Like they're not going to get enough good shots. You die. They, let, they can't. Let, yeah, I guess that's true. Well, I don't think they'll literally die. To be clear, those of you. I listening. mean, we don't know with the way the injury has gone. <laughs> the injury bug has gone. Like we. It's like the movie Speed. If they're like, if they're like lower than like tenth in pace, the team just explodes. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say Saw is the the guy from Saw is their medical, uh, the head of medical. The <laughs> they're like, yes. He's like, no, you're hurt. <laughs> yeah. I... Reevaluated in two weeks. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, I, what, so I don't, I don't want to like laugh too much about injuries, but I, well, I was like going to ask like, are, where, what is the, what is the point where you start to get a little nervous about this? Are you already this? nervous about <laughs> like, right, where they are right now, where they have yeah. 10 healthy players, you know, yeah. that, 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 that's, that's the fair. Point. That could be an answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's where I'm at too, where, Oh, I'm you sorry. Know. Nine healthy players. I miscounted. Oh God, they don't even have a ten man. They can't. Well, even they scrimmage. have. They, they, they called up Siku because... last night, so they had ten. But last night they only they they. I think they only played nine last night. I don't. Yeah. Siku didn't get in the game. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I kind of find myself like I was writing the injury report on Reeves, and normally, you know, like you write the update on the injury, you write mm -hmm. like what you write a couple of thoughts, and then it's like here's who's gonna play more while this guy is out, and I just literally, I'm like everyone. Like there's yeah. no, like everyone is going to play more at this point. Except Kent Bazemore. <laughs> Except Kent Bazemore. <laughs> well, I, this is, this has been kind of, I don't know how to do the analysis on this either because, you know, the thing that people keep coming back to is like, oh, well, when they're healthy, they'll do this. And when they're healthy, so-and-so's role will be diminished. And when they're healthy, I'll, it, and my thing is like, are we sure we should be using when? Like, are, are we positive that like, are, are we really confident given the way that this has gone? And look, this is the beginning of an 82 game season. It's not like this shit gets easier over the course of the season, right? No, it's like, you know, as the great philosopher, Kyle Shanahan once said, like, we don't know if we're going to be alive by Sunday, you know? <laughs> and so like, we don't, we don't know if this team's going to get healthier, but we also yeah. don't necessarily know that they're not like, I, I'm not there yet in terms of assuming that they're not going to be, I'm. The updates on none are legitimately concerning, and yeah. I don't want to downplay that. But THT seems to be making pretty much the exact expected progress yeah. that you like based on the original timeline they gave. He, he got reevaluated immediately, was cleared for contact, is playing one on one, two on two. Like they're working him way his way back in. They're getting mm -hmm. him ready for all this stuff. So his seems to be on the normal track for where you would expect it to be. Ariza, I think we still have like several weeks before we get a reevaluation on him. So that is where it is. LeBron, yeah. I would expect back within the next couple of games, just based on like Wendy's report yesterday and yeah. like a number of other things. I, I think he's the fact that he's shooting with the team at shoot around makes me think that this is not something that's going to limit him, you know, indefinitely. He also like when he's walking around and jumping around on the, on the sideline, yeah, he's, like, he's like using more energy than he uses on defense in the first three quarters, <laughs> half the time, like on the bench. Like I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a tee from the bench yet. I gotta you be think honest. They're going to tee up LeBron on the bench. There's no chance. He would, he would have to punch a ref. Like they're not, they're not going to tee up LeBron. He's come from close. The bench. He's, <laughs> he's, he's going to do it on accident. Like just close. celebrating. He's so excited about <laughs> like, he's doing the three to three to the dome thing for Mello, And he brings the arm back down and just like, <laughs> knocks out scott foster yeah well i mean in that case like everybody there would be thankful like yeah. honestly 
you know, look Even at the LeBron. Other they're like, ah, I don't know. I didn't see it, Scott. I'm sorry. <laughs> Scott Foster and Tony Corrente, the, the football guy. Those guys. <laughs> if you can knock out both Scott of them Scott Foster's probably so mad that he has not thought to do that to Chris Paul yet. The, the like, ref flaw, like, he ran into me. The, like, oh. <laughs> he's doing it next game. Like, he, yeah. he it, it's, it's like, book it. And then he's going to eject Chris Paul for it. And they're going to, yeah. like, literally fist fight on the way to the tunnel. Like, <laughs> The only way to, I swear, Chris Paul is actually going to fight him. He's just going to wait till his farewell tour. I, no, I, just, I'm telling you, he's been building this up for years. Like he's waiting. He, yeah. He's going to make sure that the lead, like his last, he's going to wait till his last game with Scott Foster officiating and he's just going to fight him. Like, well, isn't, is Darren Williams is going to fight Frank Gore, which like I, I, is, is a wild combination of words to say there. Right. So the next Jake Paul fight is going to be with, with Chris Paul and, <laughs> The third and, Paul and brother. Foster. Yeah. Forget. <laughs> bunch, of, bunch of people are going to be super confused. Like, wait, are they? Re- no, they can't be really. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm. Yeah, Jake I'm not Paul's his like, state farm cousin. I'm not necessarily at the point where I'm where I don't think they're ever going to be healthy. I am, however, at the point where, like, I don't think we can necessarily just pencil them in for all 15 guys being healthy at any point. this No, year. of course not. I, I mean, you could never assume that, but I also, I, I don't think that we can assume the other direction either. That yeah. was my only point. All right, let's get to this KG. What if thing you were, you sounded pretty excited about it. I have I've gone out of my way to spend less time on Twitter and, and all of that stuff. So this is why I've, I have missed this one. What's the, uh, what's the, what if scenario is this episode 10 or, or I guess it would be, Season two, episode one for next year's What If? Yeah, so this was, I I mean, this was something that we sort of knew about, but I'm not sure that we'd ever heard KG ever talk about it this much at length. He talked about, like, you'll remember, I, I think any anyone that was a Lakers fan in 2008 will kind of remember, you know, KG wanted to be a Laker before yeah. he ended up with the, before Kevin McHale gift wrapped him to the Celtics and mm-hmm. made sure that, uh you know, that, uh, that, like, he could gift Boston one more title and, like help them out. Uh, but KG, like the Lakers, it really sounds like we're kind of at the top of his list. He was talking to like a, you know, friend of the show or friend of one of our shows that we've done, Michael Pina of, uh, you know, Sports Illustrated most prominently right now, but he wrote the, he featured, he wrote a profile on KG for GQ mm-hmm. and uh, KG, I would encourage people to go read it because it's a great profile. And we're going to have the summary of the story up on the site. I'm not going to like read the whole anecdote verbatim, but basically from the sound of it, KG was trying to get in contact with Kobe that entire summer. So you got to remember this is 2008. This is like pre widespread use of social media. Like Mm -hmm. he was literally trying to call Kobe, but Kobe was doing what he did every summer. And he was going to Nike and, or going to China with Nike and building his brand there and kind of touring there and doing kind of what made him like such a one of the things that made him such a global icon, especially one uh, Mm -hmm. in China were those tours. And KG was trying to get a hold of him and he couldn't like Kobe wasn't picking up. And so eventually part that was part of the thing that pushed him to the Celtics was that he couldn't get a, he wanted to talk to Kobe before he greenlit any trade. And you know, this stuff is always more complicated than like people make it out to be in the retelling and all like, who knows what logistical hoops would have had to happen. And yeah. you know, the Lakers obviously had the contracts where they could have made this trade work uh, because you know, they eventually traded for Pow and were able to kind of like, have, like this isn't a sad what if of like, Oh, the Lakers could have won titles because they won two anyway. It's mm-hmm. just kind of a fascinating 
like turning point in the road for history. And then as KG tells it, you know, Kobe, after he got traded to the Celtics, Kobe called him and basically like cussed him out. He's like, you're in the wrong uniform. He's like, I can't believe you tried to get a hold of me. Like, I, I like, I can't, I'm so sorry. Like my phone wasn't working. And KG's like, no, nah, man, it's okay. Like it all worked out. And Kobe's like, no, it's not. You got the wrong colors on. What? <laughs> and like, he was really upset about this yeah. from KG's retelling. Well, and, and like, I, a part of me, there's so many like, kind of butterfly effects of this part of me wonders is that part of why he demanded out in a trade like Kobe missed a bunch of calls from KG and then the Lakers didn't get that deal done and he's yeah. like ready to ask out um you know like there's like all the like that the Pow never becomes a Laker you know Pow and Kobe mm -hmm. never team up for two titles that Celtics team kind of never rises to prominence to beat the that's Lakers the biggest like that's the saddest part Although, of this right the, maybe nobody would have maybe they would have traded for Pow and then it's like you almost reverse the rivalry I mean if you look at the contracts there like you could yeah. do something like that but yeah it's just to me it's a fascinating thing because KG we associate him so much with that 08 Celtics team and we knew that the Lakers were after him that summer, but the degree to which it hinged on this conversation was something that I had never heard previously before, at least. And I thought was really interesting to kind of read KG talk about it. So a couple things I think I'll kind of push back on a little bit here is that like, you still had the Mikhail Ainge dynamic here. Of course. Where, you know, Mikhail was asking less from Ainge than he was asking from the Lakers. Like, that's just, we just know Yeah, it was that the now. old pop in the Kawhi negotiations. Like, yeah. He, he, uh, like, he invented that. So, like, even, even with KG saying this, and I'm not calling KG a liar, but, like, when he's saying, you know, greenlit the trade or whatever, I, you still need to convince Kevin McHale to send a franchise player that he is, he is, you know, he gets to decide his fate with. And asking Kevin McHale to send him to the Lakers. I just, I don't necessarily see that ever happening. And then, and then the other thing too is like, cause you mentioned, you know, Kobe's frustrations in 08 and asking out. Um, I, I don't, I, I have to imagine fairly soon after all of this went down was when uh, the Lakers weren't going to trade for Jason Kidd, Right. And, and like, I would imagine like, it makes me look back on that rant in the parking lot very differently because, you know, he he missed out on KG, and now it seems like he's going to miss out on another superstar. Like, of course he blew his top. Of course. And then, you know, it's it, it makes it all the more entertaining or, 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 or fascinating to see how that season played out because he gets to training camp, and then he goes through the first kind of stretch of the season and Andrew Bynum is playing out of his mind, you know, and, and, and obviously Kobe rescinds his trade demand, pow shows up and, and the rest is history. I guess my one, I think like the saddest part of all of this, uh, and, and the, the biggest regret and the biggest, what if, you know, is, is that like without Kevin Garnett in Boston, we don't get the big three and the amount of media that those like the, the type of platforms that all the big three have now, like that's the part of this that I'm the most upset about is that with KG going to the Celtics, we now have to listen to Kendrick Perkins and, and we don't have to listen to Paul Pierce anymore. And then we also have to listen to Kevin Garnett uh, talk about basketball the way that he likes to talk about basketball. I would just, we all be better off had the big three never happened. And if just society in general, yeah, like, like it's, it's, it's that meme, right. Where, 
you know, this is where <laughs> society, if the, if the big three never came if together, never happened. Utopia. <laughs> exactly. Like, like we, we missed utopia, utopia. Doc Rivers that much. is probably never coaching the Sixers. Like, you know, there's all yeah. kinds of, yeah, there's the all Clippers. kinds of crazy, crazy, yeah. like what ifs and spiral effects of that. But like just KG's retelling of this was hilarious. It's like Kobe's just screaming at him. He's like, you were trying to get in contact with me. And KG's like, he's like, man, get the fuck out of here. Kobe's, <laughs> nah, nah, I'm serious, man. I got this shit late, man. Damn, man. And then KG says, it's all good. And Kobe says, no, nah, it ain't good. You in that wrong color, man. What the fuck, man? How are you going to go to Boston of all places? KG KG for the first time in his life is telling someone else to chill. Yeah, calm down, dude. Calm down. <laughs> that would have been the most intense team in NBA history with like Kobe and KG in the same locker room. Yeah. Well, that's like that like that's, you know, with the with the CP3 trade thing and how all that went down. Like Dwight Howard would not be alive today if he had to play with Chris Paul and Kobe Bryant. Like it, it would just be they would have put him in a shallow quit basketball in Vegas. at the very least. Like, they're yeah. like, wait, Dw Dwight, you're retiring. Like their team's offering you a max contract. He's like, I can't do this. I can't anymore. do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last thing that we have to get to here before we get out of here is the, the Caruso thing. Uh, he went on the old man and the three podcast with JJ Reddick and uh, you know, Reddick asked him, Hey, I'm going to give you a number and you're going to uh, blink once or twice for whether or not the Lakers offer was higher or lower uh, Caruso, then not only did he like blink the one time. Oh, he fell the, he held the follow through. Yeah. Well he did that. And then, and then he goes, he goes, Hey, just a heads up. I, I only blinked the one time. Like they, <laughs> they offered me less than two years, 15 million. Hey, and, good for him. Like, you know, yeah, your shit, Alex. Like, yeah. I well, mean, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of my things here is like, that was, that was one of my bigger takeaways. One of my larger takeaways here was that like, I'm happy that Caruso feels secure enough and confident enough because he's like not this guy. Uh, you talk to almost anybody, he like the, you know they would not indicate to me that he's that kind of petty. But no. here he is, and 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 by the way, I totally and completely understand why he would be petty about this. That's a that's excuse me, that's an embarrassing offer. Like that's that's the kind of offer that really makes you question. What the hell is going on in the Lakers front office? Right. Well, I mean, Anthony, they aggressively offered him minimum wage to return like that. <laughs> no, he's it, it, like, I, I'm trying not to overreact to it because like it's over, it's done. He is where he is. Yeah. And, and ultimately like there, nothing is going to change. Yeah. yeah. But if the people who are running the Lakers think that Alex Caruso is less than eight mil a year, you know, or, or less than seven and a half mil a year, then it makes me nervous for the de decision makers running the Lakers right now. Like, yes, congratulations. You got, you convinced LeBron to get here and then you were able to pull off a trade with Anthony Davis and that got you a title. And sometimes and that stuff's all that matters. You know, it, it might be, it yeah. might be, but, but like, you know, like, cause one of the, one of the retorts that I get pretty often is like, Alex Caruso isn't the difference between a championship and not winning a championship. And it's like, were you not paying attention? 
Were we watching the same games? Is my it, the only, you know the only thing that I will push back on is I, I understand why people are on this again because Alex talked about it again, and so it's like it's become a talking point. He's been great for the Bulls, and like yeah. I understand that the Bulls are like but, arguably the second or third best team so far this season. Yeah, the only thing that I'll push back on is like the idea that I don't like is that Caruso would really fix any of the team's current issues. Like with Hmm. how many injuries this team has and the things that they need, like he's not fixing that. And to be honest, you know, having a guy like Malik Monk is more valuable to the team than Caruso. Again, I I think they should have kept him. And if that keeps you from getting Monk or none or whoever, like I'm on record as saying, you know, I just keep Caruso. That's my personal opinion. And we can all Hmm. kind of disagree on these basketball evaluations. But You know, I also don't think that it's something like I think it has been overplayed how much of an issue that this is for this roster. It's more the stuff that you're talking about. It's the process aspect of it that's more concerning moving forward than it is like sort of for this specific roster and kind of not understanding why they're doing it. It's like the approach of like not being willing to go into the luxury tax very much for a guy like this because, you know, that can be the difference between you winning a title. We have no idea if it will be this year. The, The teams they put together on paper, I think is one that could, potentially win a title you know i I, don't it's it's possible still if they get healthy and like all of these things are possible but i I do think that he helps on the margins for sure but yeah i mean it's like they decided that you know that wasn't worth an extra 30 or 40 million and look you know it's not my money so i I mean what would i if i that's exactly my point though it isn't our money what like it isn't anybody's money who's defending their decision making here either right like why why would if if you're saying to me Hey, the Lakers made a business decision and you're like, well, does that business decision hurt or help their chances of winning a championship? And it clearly hurts. Like we, we know it to the degree we can debate all day long. I'd rather not. You'd rather not. Fine. Yeah. We, uh, we did that show 20 times already. But like, but we can definitively say that Alex Caruso helps you win a championship in 2021, especially if he's playing alongside LeBron James and or Russell Westbrook, to be completely honest. Yeah. And, and like for those who were saying, oh, well, you know, the Lakers do their line in the sand. Why do you care where their line in the sand is? Why is that any of our bit? Like, why would we, it's not like when they, when they didn't bring Alex Caruso in that the tickets all of a sudden got cheaper. I was up on a nerd wallet did this thing uh, where they, uh, they calculated the uh, average cost of a basketball game across the NBA. The Lakers rank second in terms of most expensive. Yeah. Behind the Knicks. Um, And it's basically like a G to take a family of four to a Lakers game. And, you know, to, to which I say like, if you're if your fan base is shelling well, out think about that how expensive it would be if they had kept Alex Caruso. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, but like tickets this thing. year are four thousand dollars for the well, no that's, that's the crazy thing though. Is it Lakers fans? The vast majority of them would just like pay up. Like they would all right. I, I guess you, you go from people going. Yeah. I you, mean, you, I'm you, not sure if there's like an upper limit that they could charge that like people yeah. wouldn't show up. I I mean, I'm sure there is. Lakers tickets are basically gas in LA, right? Like people are just going to buy them anyway. They're going to go. And, and like, that's kind of why when people say, oh, well, they, they drew their line in the sand and Alex Caruso isn't worth 40 million to them. And I, I just kind of say like, why would you care? Why do you care how much $40 million is to, to Jeannie bus? Whose net worth is like five or 600 million. (laughs) And whenever she sells, if she ever sells the Lakers, it immediately balloons to like, 
multiple billions of dollars that she would immediately become worth, right? I this isn't this isn't somebody who's like waiting in line to 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 grab their food stamps because Alex Caruso would have been so expensive. It and 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 like, you know, again, uh my takeaway here is far more process concerns about Polinka and about Kurt Rambis and about LeBron James and about Anthony Davis. Yeah, because like to be clear, like my understanding of this is that it was more of a basketball decision than a tax decision. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's yeah. And and we've heard we I think you and I have have, you know, similar people that we hear some of this stuff from. And and like to which I say again, cuz I I have the same conversation on Twitter all the time. Were you watching? <laughs> Were you Yeah, watching? I don't I mean yeah, he's he's a good player. I don't I don't want to sit here and relitigate it for twenty minutes, but yeah, yeah I, I think um, it, you know, yeah. It, yeah, it sucks. It just I it, he I, I honestly feel bad for him because he clearly wanted to stay and was willing to it, like enjoy being a Laker and uh, like I feel bad for Lakers fans and I feel bad for him and that's kind of where it is. Happy for Bulls fans though, they're a really fun team. Yeah, they're happy, happy for uh, our friend Ricky O'Donnell of uh, FB Nation finally getting to root for a b- good Bulls team in his lifetime. Yeah. Taco Trey Kirby, friend, friend of uh, friend yeah. of one of the pods, friend of this pod feed for sure. Yeah, I think he replaced me for one of these episodes, right? Like he was, was he a lounge guest? It's hard to say. Yeah, I, I think don't, I, that I may mostly have been AI. Show. No, because you asked him about embarrassing sports moments, so it was an AI show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also like I'm selfish when I when when it comes to these guests. If they're the good ones, they tend to be AI show guests. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's smart. <laughs> I, I can't even like I, I can't I can't lie. Take question that process. Yeah, no, that's that's good process. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lounge. This venture into the Lakers Lounge. Um, speaking of ventures, I want to send a a sincere and hearty thank you to those who tuned in to the pressure cooker last night. I had an absolute blast with that thing. That was really really fun. Comment section was really going off. Uh, the game itself was obviously greatly entertaining, so that certainly helps. We are still kind of tinkering with how we're going to put that show together and and what it's going to look like moving forward, uh, but it is definitely going to be a staple here of this podcast feed of the Silver Screen Roll uh, universe, So, and that is because of the amount of support that you guys gave right away to that thing. So thank you guys a ton for that. Looking forward to more of those. Looking forward to The Hook tomorrow. And then we have a uh, one more uh, Lakers lowdown uh, that you guys can listen to, as well as everything that's going on at SilverSkinAndRoll.com. Yeah, I'm sure it'll have like another depressing injury update at this rate. Like as soon as we get off this call, like we're gonna find out. You know, you know what's funny thing. is my <laughs> you're my gonna get the breakdown hurts. on the lowdown. My my, my like my, I'm I'm on the injury list. My back has been <laughs> killing me. Yeah, <laughs> Jen I, is I, at I, Jen's out of town. I'm like going to pick up Avery and wincing in pain because my my old 35 year old back is just like nope we can't yeah do i've been doing i've been doing my rehab and uh for you know like the the hip issue that i was having and i hurt my knee like i walked because i was walking so yeah it's just you know we're all we're all in shambles over here <laughs> on that note we'll talk to you guys next week <laughs> are you choking <laughs>